You know, the topic of confidence, having enough confidence to meet the challenges that you're faced with, oh my, is such an important topic. And I remember a time I was having significant challenges in a particular role. And as I was working with a colleague to try to sort through the details, they turned to me and said, are you really up for this challenge? Now, (laughs) in the moment, I really was taken aback. Like the worst thing that you need at that time is to have somebody question you. On the other hand, had I taken the high road, I might have realized maybe I wasn't up for the challenge. Maybe I wasn't confident. Maybe I needed help and resources to help me through it. It's a tough place when a leader questions their confidence. And I also remember somebody I was mentoring, that very, very smart person, but they said, I could do the job if I could just get my confidence back. So it's one of those things as a leader We need to reflect on those times where we have been challenged. But just know, as a leader, finding that confidence, leveraging the resources around you may be the difference of being a successful leader and those that are not. So I am super excited for this conversation with Michael Tanner, an amazing leader. I can't wait for you to hear the entire interview with him. But here's a quick soundboard. Let's listen. I do believe that, especially as it relates to leadership, you have to overcome a few misconceptions that people walk into leadership with. But then, as you said, yes, if you can just start to see some momentum and improvement, you start to see the, the confidence coming back. One of the earliest uh, hits to confidence is the misconception that if I'm the leader, then I have to know all the right answers. I have to know all the answers. I have to have all the best ideas. And if I enter into leadership kind of with that standard and I quickly realize, well, I don't necessarily have all the right answers. I don't necessarily have all the best ideas, then that's a huge hit to confidence. And so we've got to overcome that misconception. But then again, we start to see some improvement that we can measure and the confidence will come right back. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello. And as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I am so thrilled that week after week, I get to speak to amazing leaders and bring their insights and perhaps inspire you along the way. And I can assure you, you will love this episode along with the others, but please, I ask if you could subscribe, rate, and review so we can continue to bring you great programming. And just please know, I, my guests, we so care about you the C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to help you navigate your careers with confidence. But it is my pleasure to welcome my amazing guest, Michael Tanner. He is a leadership veteran with more than 25 years of highly engaged and practical experience and through his various successful leadership positions of increasing scope, ranging from the U.S. Marine Corps Infantry to C-suite executive, Michael is constantly increasing his knowledge and experience as a leadership practitioner, and he has earned a degree in computer science and a master's degree in leadership, and he just prides himself on leveraging his unique combination of education, 
skills, and experience to harness the greatness with his clients and unleash their potential of their leadership capabilities. So it is my distinct pleasure. Michael, it is an honor to have you on the show. Hey, thank you so much, Deborah, for the opportunity. I'm truly honored and blessed to serve you and your audience any way I can. So thanks so much for the opportunity. And I am grateful. A quick shout out also to the network, Earl Brion, who introduced us, another amazing leader. You know, I just so enjoy meeting other people that are leading the charge in the same area of helping the leaders of today and tomorrow. But just quickly for my listeners, Michael has a very distinct look on uh, how uh, leadership development happens. So I think you will really, really enjoy his unique perspective. But Michael, let me not take it away from you. I would sincerely appreciate sharing a bit about yourself personally, your journey, and the work that you love to do. Yeah, sure. You know, I say my leadership journey started almost 30 years ago now, 29 or so years ago, in 1993 in the United States Marine Corps. Um, That's my first paid leadership position. I was actually paid to lead people. And as a part of that, the Marine Corps does a really good job of teaching leadership to those that are put into leadership positions. Uh, And so I began to learn leadership there in the Marine Corps. And Contrary to a lot of misconceptions about military leadership, I did not learn authoritative, rank-based, command and control type leadership. Uh, We did not call it servant leadership back then and in the Marine Corps. But that is, you know, knowing what I know now, that is certainly what I learned uh, in the Marine Corps was servant-based leadership. And coming out of the Marine Corps and getting into the corporate world, I got in the Marine Corps or in the corporate world as a software developer and right away was put into leadership positions. And so I've grown through the ranks, if you will, of corporate leadership all the way now to the C-suite, vice president of engineering, CTO type roles. Um, Currently today, even um, I I serve in the corporate world and and have an engineering team of about 150 individuals around the world in in multiple different locations uh, and serve in that way. But it was really, I think, through that corporate leadership career where I became really, really passionate about uh, seeing people win and being a mentor and a coach to those that, you know, that were on a team that were going after a goal, aggressively going after a goal and just seeing them win. And so that's, I became really, really passionate about that. And that's the reason that I, I started the side gig, the side hustle, if you will, that is the Credible Leadership Group. And we're all about defining, measuring and improving the leadership of our clients, particularly focused on those first-time leaders, those early leaders, because I feel like maybe their company doesn't support them. Their company may not see value in leadership development. But then also, I think they kind of feel unsupported or lost in the idea that there's lots of executive coaches, lots of C-level focused uh, leadership development firms. So we really wanted to focus on that early career early years of leadership to to give those leaders the support that they need. So noble work. I am so excited that there are people like you doing that work. I too focus on a similar but slightly demographic. I, again, still support the C-suite leaders because I've got some experience advice Mm -hmm. that I can share with them, but also the emerging leaders because I feel the same pain. They are very talented, technical people, even in software. They will move up and they will be given more responsibility. And then they get stuck because they haven't evolved all the skills. And then when I look around, I agree. They provide a lot of C-suite level training. They need to. That's a must. But somehow there's something missing. But I guess why you? Why you? Did you drink some kind of Kool-Aid or something (laughs) like that? You know, people must say, why them? I mean, there are bigger fish to go after, other people to serve. But just 
it may be missing, but is there something that really resonates with you with this demographic? Yeah, well, for me, it really comes down to what I was saying earlier about this, this passion to see people win. Now, I grew up in the, in the software development world here and in the engineering world, and, and I don't want to stereotype at all, but we engineers, especially we software development types, we tend to be very introverted, kind of standoffish, and, and so forth. And when I can help one of those individuals grow into the leader that they want to be in. I just see the transformation that happens in them as a person, them as a team member, happens in them as a leader. And then I see the impact that they have on a group of people, a team, to achieve a goal that they're going after, to to win, however they define winning. When I see them win, I mean, that's what gives me goosebumps. That's what kind of raises the hair on the back of my head. I'm just so passionate about seeing that type of transformation happen And I feel like I'm going to be able to see that type of transformation happen more frequently in the the more junior, early career leaders than I'm going to see happen in the executive level, the C-suite level. They may have some specific coaching needs that they want, but they're not going to have these big revelations, these big aha moments where they kind of transform into that leader. That's the reason I'm so passionate about that. So I love that. And I totally experience the goosebumps when you see that aha moment in that person. Could be a place of joy. It could be a place of great sorrow as they realize where they've been and where they need to or can go to. But without maybe citing a particular person or anything like that, what does that look like? Like, where are they when they come into your care? You have the opportunity to mentor them. Where are they at? And then what is it that you have seen maybe that all of a sudden they realize something and then they start coming out on the other side. What does that transformation look like? Because if there's somebody out there that says, that's me, I want them to recognize that. So what does that look like for the individual? Yeah, you know, I so appreciate that question. And I'm going to caveat or start it by saying, I wish this weren't the case, but far too often, the client that comes to me, they come to me when they're kind of at a crisis point. And, And this is the history of that client, if you will. And I'll use salesperson, just I don't want to pick on software developers all the time. (laughs) So a salesperson, they're a rock star salesman and they're just hitting all their numbers. They're exceeding all their numbers. They're probably the top salesman in their group month after month after month. And because of that individual performance is so great, they get promoted to sales manager. And so while they were a rock star as a salesman, they really have no skills whatsoever as a manager, as a leader. And so their team just kind of starts to fall apart. Morale is not where it should be. And this now group of five people, they're not hitting the same level of numbers that they were hitting before this person became their their sales manager. And that's where I believe that these first-time leaders start looking for, well, how can I get help at being a leader? And again, far too often, I feel like their company doesn't see value in training them as a leader. They would have trained them as a salesperson, but not necessarily trained them as a leader. And then they go and look for leadership coaching or leadership courses or classes and things like that. And again, I feel like they they find a lot out there, but it's all geared towards the executive level leadership. And so that's when they will usually find me at that point where they feel like, man, my team's falling apart. I'm not doing this very well. I feel like within a, a course of about 30 days, we can really 
demonstrate for them that they are growing, that they're getting better, they're improving as a leader, and really that's all they need. They need that initial momentum of seeing, yes, I'm not a great leader right now, but I'm getting better. And they get to see that from the eyes of the team that they're leading. Um, and when they get that, that momentum, confidence starts to build and so forth, and you just start to see a real transformation in them as a leader, but also the team that they're leading as well. You know, you just said something that so resonates, and I've even written an article on this. I, too, have had somebody that I have mentored, and they said something very distinct, super smart, smarter than I, you know, master's in engineering, working for a really smart company. And they came to me, they were so distraught. And one of the things they said was, you know, I used to be a rock star over here, and then I was moved to a different environment. And the culture was different, and what worked before was no longer working. And what they said was, if I could just get my confidence back, all the rest would fall into place. And there's just something about understanding the root cause of that loss of confidence and try to unpack that because sometimes maybe those things were in their mindset and then there's just triggers that really bring it on. I'll tell you, as soon as you unleash that confidence and the willingness to experiment and try, oh my, the transformation just starts to accelerate. Yeah, that is so true. I mean, I I do believe that, especially as it relates to leadership, you have to overcome a few misconceptions that people walk into leadership with. But then, as you said, yes, if you can just start to see some momentum and improvement, you start to see the the confidence coming back. One of the earliest uh, hits to confidence is the misconception that if I'm if I'm the leader, then I have to know all the right answers. I have to know all the answers. I have to have all the best ideas. And if I enter into leadership kind of with that standard and I quickly realize, well, I don't necessarily have all the right answers. I don't necessarily have all the best ideas. Uh, then, then that's a, a huge hit to confidence. And so we've got to overcome that misconception. But then again, we start to see some improvement that we can measure and the confidence will come right back. So I'm so glad you said that. That really relates to me as well. I'm just getting ready to finish off a strategy for a potential client of mine. And when I was just checking in with them, they said, so how would you, what would be your approach in this area? Again, I identified it as a gap. But then when they asked me the details, it's like, well, I'm not really sure, but I know there's some smart people in the organization that we could figure it out together. So again, being able to be humble and have a good comeback, at least it shows that you're in it with them and you'll figure it out. That is the leadership, knowing that you don't know everything. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, one of the most uh, fearful statements a young leader will make is, I don't know. Uh, but that it, there is so much power in that phrase, I don't know, but let's figure it out. There's so much leadership power in that phrase when when you're willing to kind of dig in. First of all, you're being vulnerable. I, I don't know the right answer right now. But I'm getting in the trenches with you. I'm getting my hands dirty with you. We're in this together. We're going to figure this out together. So much leadership power in that phrase. I'm going to go there too. You know, there's something what you said is if nothing else in the moment that you use the few words, I don't know, but I believe we will figure it out. Delivered in a slow, methodical way, you come across more wise, sometimes amidst the nervousness, the lack of confidence, knowing how to come back. The person may just start rattling on a lot of words that then people start losing it. And what are you saying? And then you never really answer the question. And then you have to double back. Just pausing and realizing you don't have the answer to everything and just methodically coming back will figure it out. Again, just elevates how you're perceived versus, you know, just putting a lot of words out there when you actually could be damaging the credibility that you're trying to build. Yeah, you totally are. I mean, when when you're trying to 
on the fly, especially out loud, create the answer, right? And when you're trying to think and talk at the same time and create the answer, you're doing two things, in my opinion. Four variables that I teach in leadership, credibility and competence are two of those four variables. And when you're doing that, you're damaging your credibility and your competence. You're demonstrating for your team that whether you know it or not, they recognize you don't have the right answer here or you don't know the right answer here and you're kind of making it up as you go. And that's a real damaging hit to your competence in their view. It's so much better in that to say, I don't know, let's figure this out. Because one of the most powerful ways to demonstrate competence in front of your team is to ask a lot of good questions. Competence doesn't mean that they believe you know everything. Competence means that your team believes that you're constantly learning. And when you can say, I don't know, let's figure this out together, and you start asking a lot of questions, you're actually building your competence in that case, rather than destroying it in the other case where you're just trying to make things up as you go. There is a great art in um, asking a lot of questions. I have found that when we In general, as a leader, when we're trying to facilitate a meeting, even if you're in an area where you are not completely confident in the material, listening more and speaking less and being able to reframe what you heard shows that you are listening and the people are heard. So that builds some credibility. And in the process, if you still can't answer the question, ask more questions. Again, you come across more wise and it it just really builds your credibility, as we said. So interesting. Now, one thing that you have in your work that I thought was really, really interesting is that when do you say somebody is competent, confident, all the different C words? I was wondering, what is your perspective on how can you demonstrate that a leader is performing? How do you measure that? Yeah, you know, that's one of the most difficult things to do for an organization is to measure leadership. Maybe even take a step back. I think the first step is, well, how do you even define it? How do you define leadership? And then secondly, how do you measure it? Because I believe a lot of organizations use the wrong metrics for measuring leadership. For instance, the most popular method that I hear of measuring leadership is attrition. If we have high attrition, then we know there's something wrong with our leadership. But I think that's the completely wrong metric to use because at that point, it's too late. I mean, that to me, that's like looking at the scoreboard at the end of a ball game and trying to change the score. It's too late. The way attrition works, especially if people are leaving because of poor leadership, your best team members leave first. And so if you're looking at attrition, you've already lost your best team members. And so what we've tried to do is provide a a method. This is the computer science math person coming out of me. We've tried to provide what we call a leadership equation that calculates for you a number. I believe a measurement of leadership, it has to be two things. It has to be objective because far too often when we get subjective measurement or subjective feedback about us or our performance, we can become very defensive to that. And therefore, we don't really hear that feedback and we certainly probably won't take action on it. But if it's really, really objective feedback, then we can receive that much better and we're likely to take action upon it. And in my opinion, there's nothing more objective than a number. A number is just that. It's just the number. And now all I have to ask myself is, well, what do I need to do to make that number better? The second aspect that measurement of leadership must be, it must be real time. So this goes back to the attrition, right? We can't be looking backwards and measuring leadership. We need to ask ourselves, how is my leadership right now? Not at the end of the year when I 
determine if we've met our revenue goal or not after someone has left the team. I want to know right now how I'm performing as a leader. And so for that reason, we created the leadership equation and the leadership calculator that has those four variables that I talked about, credibility and competence, two of them. Uh, Motive, which is why do you want to be a leader, which really comes down to does your team view your reasons for being a leader as selfish or selfless? And then the fourth variable is relationship. And that's the level of relationship you have with your team members as a person, not as a team member and related to their deliverable or position on the team, but at what level of relationship do you have with that person as a person? So those are the four variables, credibility, competence, motive, and relationship. And I'll have my listeners know that I actually took that test before we jumped <laughs> you on did, here. You did. And it had me at a manager level. Now, mind you, I've already been a director. I run my own business. But regardless of how I was qualified, I didn't score a 10 on everything. I realized that I'm evolving. I'm pretty good right now, but I can continue to evolve. So I look forward to reading the feedback on that report and continuing to improve. And here's what I know just from spending some time with you is that you probably have a lower perception of your abilities than everyone else around you. I will say that usually that's unique. Usually we have a higher perception of ourselves, but I think I know enough about you to know that uh, you have a lower perception of your own abilities probably than those that you're leading, that those that are around you. I think it's important that we get the feedback from those that we lead. I mean, a a self-assessment of my leadership, there is value there. But the real value is how do these that I'm leading, how do those individuals that I'm leading, how do they perceive my leadership to be? So that's why the, the calculator is also so powerful is to give them the opportunity to score your leadership. And again, you're getting a number back. You're not getting this subjective, well, I think you could do better at communicating. You're getting very objective feedback from your team that you can then go and take action against and actually see that number grow, see that number improve. So you know you're getting better as a leader. So I appreciate you bringing that up about my score. We're going to spend a moment there because it's just you and me. The listeners are just listening (laughs) into this conversation. Is that, yeah, I know that people, I mean, that's why they bring me into their organization because they see that confidence and confidence Mm -hmm. to be able to guide them to a better place. And uh, I just got that affirmation today when meeting with a client. I think what it is, is that as a leader, even if you don't feel like you have all the skills and abilities, you need to project, you need to see mm-hmm. yourself in that sure. role. You need to see yourself as a CEO, or I am the business owner, I need to come across a certain way. I know mm-hmm. underneath a little bit of the introvert, still overcoming a few of the things. Is it perfect? Are they going to like it? Is it going to right. resonate with them? That I put on a persona of confidence, eagerly listening for the feedback, and they just love what I do, but inside. I'm still doing some work to say, Deb, just, just, you got it. You got Mm -hmm. it. Anything you do, they're going to enjoy. They are going to see your leadership. They will follow your lead. We'll evolve this together. So I think even if I scored lower, I just know that inside I'm continuing to work at that, even as an experienced leader myself. Yeah. No, that's so true. I mean, you know, look, I teach relationships and I teach a lot of things that feels like, you know, warm, fuzzy stuff and, and all. But the reality is if you're a leader, if you're in a position of leadership, if you have a title of leader, you've got to own that. Right. I mean, you, you've got to, you've got to be the leader and you've got to look the, the part. You've got to act the part, uh, behave the part. Even, even in the midst of all this inner uh, insecurity and lack of confidence and turmoil that you might have internally, you still have to own the position of leadership and lead your team. And I'm certain that's what you're doing as well. So 
One of the things I also want to go back to, you talked about why do you lead? Because leading because it's expected of you, that you know your family will be proud of you, et cetera. Taking a moment to pause and ask, why do you lead? I actually was at that inflection point five, six years ago when things were not going as well. And when I was having to go to a leadership meeting, I actually paused and said, why do I lead? And I just had to dig deep inside and realize that I just want people to struggle less. I want them to not be working so many hours to be able to be more efficient and effective, to spend more time with their family, their community, their friends, what they want to do. That was really the essence of it. And it only took through some reflection. And when I wrote my book, The CEO's Compass, I don't get right into my approach, but I start talking to the person who's reading the book and said, you have to start from a place of why do you lead? Because this book's for you. And if you're not sure why you're leading, put the book down. I actually tell them, put the book down, get clear on that, and then you can continue forward. Really important to start with that question. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I think if you're already in leadership or you're looking to get into leadership, you have to ask yourself, why do I want to be a leader? And and really ask yourself, are, are you wanting to get into leadership for selfish reasons because of the increased compensation? Because of the prestige or the title, right? Well, I want to put vice president on my LinkedIn profile. That's the reason I want to get into leadership, right? So to me, those are the the selfish reasons for getting into leadership. And the reality is your team members are going to perceive that motive. So if you're in leadership just for the prestige of the title, they're going to feel like you're in leadership for selfish reasons, right? And your leadership is not going to be as effective if that's the case. But like you and like me, if you ask that question, why do I want to be in leadership? And your answer is around, well, I want to see people win. And I think you mentioned, you know, I want their their life to be a little easier, a little better uh, around winning. If those are the reasons, well, then you're going to serve your team. Your leadership is going to be selfless in nature. And again, your team is going to perceive that. They're going to recognize that your reasons for being a leader have their best interests at heart, not your best interests at heart. And you're going to be much more influential and have much more effective leadership when that's the, uh, the case. And so, yes, you've, you have to ask yourself, why do you want to be a leader? Now, having said all that, I'll say this. I have a lot of individuals, and, and frankly, I was in this position where I initially got into leadership for selfish reasons. I, I, I thought the compensation was, would be so much greater the prestige and all that. And and so many people that I run into, they're willing to raise their hand and say, well, you know, now that you explain it that way, I think I probably got into leadership for selfish reasons also. So that then leaves us with the question, well, what do I do about that? Well, the good news is you can change your motive in being a leader. There are actions, there are things that you can do. And if you will do them on a consistent basis, your motive for being a leader will start to change. One of those, for instance, is to Express appreciation for your team members. Be intentional about finding team members that are doing, they may just be doing their job, but they're doing it on a consistent basis. But be intentional to look and find them doing things that they should be doing or doing things that they're doing well and go to them and express sincere appreciation for the work that they're doing. And when you do that, the feelings or the emotions around being a leader are going to start to shift, especially if you do this on a consistent basis, your motive is going to start to shift from selfish to selfless when you start to take these actions. And again, one of them that's really, really powerful is expressing appreciation. So you can shift that motive. I think that is so important, actionable for anybody to take away. If we are caught in the day-to-day grind of just getting our results, 
investing a little bit time and pausing and showing appreciation, one, slows things down a little bit, yes. gets you connected to the individual, and then you can roll up the sleeves and do the work that you need to do. Yes. So this has been an amazing conversation. I mean, I want people to at least check out your work, get to know more about you, maybe even take that assessment or even connect with you. What are the ways that you can serve? How can people get a hold of you? Because I want people to get off this podcast and say, let me go check out Michael. Yeah, sure. I really appreciate that. So credibleleaders.com, that's the first place to find me and more about what we do. And and there, right on the homepage, you'll find the calculator that I've referred to as well so that you can, it's a free calculator. You can use that to measure your leadership. And with that, you get a report that tells you uh, what are some of the things that you can do to improve your leadership based on the results. Um, so I encourage everyone to, to find me there. Um, I'm most active on LinkedIn. Um, so if you're going to catch me on social media, catch me there on LinkedIn. Uh, but then I would love to have you as a listener of the Rookie Leaders podcast as well. Uh, so you can certainly search that or rookieleaders.com. You'll find the podcast. And if you go there, particularly, you've got to listen to episode number 104, because that's where, uh, Deb, you are on the podcast there. Thank you so much for doing that and sharing with my audience as well. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to have you as a listener of the Rookie Leaders podcast. Michael, you have so many resources. I am so grateful for the introduction. I have learned a few things from them, from you, and bringing them forward into my mentorship of the future leaders. So you've been an amazing guest. I sincerely appreciate it and wish you continued success in impacting so many. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.